0: All right, all right, this is fascinating, it is. But the fact remains is that you don't have the money to bring the mortgage up to date, so you're still gonna have to sell. I'm sorry, Ray. We got no choice.
1: Ray. People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door, as innocent as children, longing for the past. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers... sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats... somewhere along one of the baselines... where they sat when they were children... and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they'd dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke,
0: Ray. You sell now or you lose everything.
1: This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good. And it could be again. Oh. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come.
0: Ray. You will lose everything. You will be evicted. Does this I, I think it's pretty cool that as I'm watching that clip, I'm speaking to you today from ground that used to be a cornfield. I just think that's so neat. And a uh, question for you, what, when was the last time you saw a dream come true? I want you to ponder that as we go through the sermon today. My name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor at our campus in Ames, so I first off want to say hello to the Hope Ames crew who is worshiping right now and joining. I'm um, saying, so yeah, uh, yes, yeah, praise God, yeah. Um, I love you all so much, and I can't wait to be worshiping with you all in person next week. I want to say hi to our local sites who are joining us as well, and wherever you are joining us from across the world, we're glad that you're here. My name is Danny, like I said, and I am really glad to be here. I grew up worshiping in this room, and before we were in this room, it was across the hall, and before it was in that uh, room across the hall, uh, I was worshiping with hope down the street. Uh, my dad is Pastor Mike. You may have heard of him or seen him before. Um, he's, a, he's a really great guy, and, uh, and I'm glad to be his son, and I'm glad to be here today. We're going through our series called Positive Megatrends in the 21st Century Church. We're picking up some surprises along the way, and today we're talking about what brings people together. What brings people together? You know, there was a baseball game the other night. You hear about it? Thursday night in Dyersville, Iowa, it was like the capital of the world. Just by show of hands, whether you're here, wherever you're watching, who saw that game on Thursday night? Yeah, basically everybody in the universe watched. It was crazy. Um, And it was amazing. The the pregame, the game itself, was like a scene from a movie. But it almost didn't happen. It was almost a dream that didn't come true. And it wouldn't have if some people didn't have this grit and this desire to see the dream happen, and it happened because they refused to sell out. Do you have anything in your life that you wouldn't sell? You just could never sell it. My parents recently were having a garage sale, and when your parents are having a garage sale, you go through some serious trauma as a young adult. (laughs) Every single day, I'm getting a phone call. Hey, Danny, guess what I found? you cannot get rid of my blanket from when I was two, right? I haven't seen it in 20 years, but you can't get rid of it. You, you cannot get rid of my blanket from when I was two, right? I haven't seen it in 20 years, but you can't get rid of it. One day, uh, hey, Danny, you've got... S-. So I go to him after the garage. So I'm like, hey, where's my money? He said, I donated all of it. I'm like, God bless you, you know? <laughs> yeah. So my thing was, was not worth holding on to for dear life, but... What is it that you're holding on to? Could you sell it? What's the thing in our life that we could never sell? What's the thing in our life that we couldn't sell and we don't even have the choice about it? There's truth. You can't sell truth. You can't escape truth. But I've got good news for you today. The truth is good enough. There's this block of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. It says, get the truth and never sell it. Go back to screen if you would. And in the movie there, we're seeing the fictional character Ray, played by Kevin Costner, who's been given a calling. Famously, he's in the cornfield and he hears, if you build it, he will come. Somehow he comes to the conclusion that if he turns his cornfield into a baseball field, it will be an oasis for lost baseball players of the past to finally play the game that they love again. Everybody in the community thinks that he's nuts. Not least of which, his brother-in-law, who you heard in the opening clip today, saying, "You got to sell the farm, Ray. It's reasonable. It's logical. It's tempting." Anybody here know that sometimes it's really tempting to take the exit toward relief instead of continuing to purchase, pursue righteous reward? It's tough. Then there's his new friend in the movie, the character Terence Mann, who's played by James Earl Jones, who says over the naysayer in his booming voice, "All people will come, Ray." People will come. They won't even know why they're coming, but they'll show up. They'll be there. And I know it's just a movie, but it's still ringing true and inspiring us today 30 years later. And that's why uh, when we saw this game on Thursday night, it just exploded across the country. Did you know that this was the most watched regular season baseball game in the last 16 years? Wild! There are people who paid up to $4,000 just to be there. Again, Terrence Mann in the movie, one of the other things that he says is, It's money they have, but peace they want. I wouldn't get rid of that. They wouldn't sell it. Did you notice something else about the game the other night, if you watched it? It wasn't fancy, was it? It was back to basics. It was simple. Just a few grandstands in a cornfield. There weren't all the bright, shining lights that you oftentimes see. There wasn't the great in-game entertainment. There were no fancy, luxurious suites. It was authentic. It was real. And did you see the players? The players who have everything in the baseball world that they could ever want. And some of them have everything in the world world that they could ever want. More money than they could spend in 15 generations of people. People. They're laughing, they're smiling, some of them were even crying. It wasn't fancy, it wasn't wasn't perfect, but it was raw, it was authentic, it was real, and it was true. I want to tell you today that the life that God is calling you to is not fancy. It's not luxurious. It's not even perfect. But God is perfect. And that is true. No matter what's true about you, the truth is good enough. We have a hard time with the truth, don't we? It's not because we're chronic liars, but I think it's because a lot of times we can be chronically insecure. We've been living in a world where we are taught that you have to keep the covers tight because as soon as someone starts to pull them back, they're going to learn more about us. And the more they learn about us, the more there are things that they don't have to like about us because they're going to find some flaws. We believe that the more somebody knows, the less they'll like. And so we put up a front. We live in a world where it's very easy to put up fronts and people have been doing this for quite a long time. In John chapter 8, Jesus is having a conversation with some hyper-legalistic religious people who believe that they're in right standing with God. Because they're perfect. They follow all the rules. They have made themselves right before God they say. Jesus says no you haven't. Jesus challenges them. And what he says is that every single person who sins. And, and that's everyone. Is a slave to sin. But the son of God has come to set you free. And here's how he decides to set us free. Are you ready? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. How freeing is it to live in the truth? When I was a kid growing up, my siblings and I would have a conversation with my parents every single day. We'd sit at the dinner table together, my parents would ask about how school went, they'd be asking about tests, they'd be asking about our friends, they'd be asking about tryouts, they'd be asking about uh, practices, whatever it was. And before we could answer, they would always say, now before you answer, the truth is good enough. The truth is good enough. How was your day? Now I was like, I I was pretty confident as a little kid. And I think there was one day, it was in first grade. I think there was one day, it was in first grade, one of the big days of the school years, we would run the mile. And I don't think first graders are, like, allowed to run the mile at school anymore. But we ran the mile in first grade. I got home, my parents say, so, Danny, how was your day? Remember, the truth is good enough. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, I, I I don't know how to tell you this, but I... I'm the fastest kid alive. Like, I don't know where I got this from, but like, I'm pretty sure I just ran that mile in less than three minutes. And they're going to have me run with the sixth graders next week. It's, it's just what I do. I'm fast. And that was my day. And I was in first grade, so I think I maybe actually believed some of what I was saying. Um, I didn't realize the reality. But once I finally came to grips with like, no, the the truth is good enough, I felt free. Didn't have to put up a front. In my house growing up, I felt free because I knew the truth was good enough. We live in a world where we believe that the more somebody knows us, the less they'll have to like. But Jesus is challenging. leaves, uh, leaves uh, something about you that wasn't true. I remember a few years ago, I got really into yoga. Um, don't judge me on that, okay? <laughs> but I got really into yoga, and when I was deciding like, how I was gonna handle yoga, I was looking up the different classes, and one of the options was hot yoga. I, I learned quickly that was a mistake, but when I was trying to prepare for the class, I th- saw the things that you need, and okay, so I went out and I get my yoga mat, and I found out that like every single yogi in the world apparently has a really cool water bottle, so I got a water bottle. I show up for the class, I'm a few minutes early, and I'm seeing people around me, and they're stretching, they're getting I'm like, Okay, yep, this is what we do, right? And then the class is about to start. They open. The- I show up for the class, I'm a few minutes early, and I'm seeing people around me, and they're stretching, they're getting ready. I'm like, okay. Yep, this is what we do, right? Then the class is about to start, they open the door, 300 degrees in the room. The guy walking next to me, is like, breathe it in, brother, doesn't it feel good? I'm like, no! This is terrible, I'm drinking the air! I get to my spot on the mat and I'm already breathing deep, my heart rate's at 300. I'm like, oh! I'm like starting to hyperventilate. Then the teacher starts to teach and he speaks in this calming voice. That man was a deceiver. Starts you off real nice and easy, but you know he's one of those guys. You ever met somebody like this? They've got the mindset, or they've got the uh, they've, they've got this demeanor to him, right? So they've got the mannerisms of an accountant, but the mindset of an assassin. <laughs> he, he was coming after me, and so he said, "Well, just go ahead and lay down and relax, I'm, like gasping for." <laughs> he, he was coming after me, and so he said, "Well, just go ahead and lay down and relax." Like gasping for air, I've already drank through my entire. Okay, so I can't do that. It's like now I'd like you to take the back of your other knee and wrap it around your neck and wear it like a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> simply kneel down. Simply kneel down to the floor, sit on your toes, and stretch back on your heels. Like my feet are breaking. <laughs> namaste, right? Namaste, namaste. <laughs> no, Na- whatever. <laughs> Oh, you're so great. You know about yoga. I was humiliated. I just felt like such a fraud. I was embarrassed. At one time, he just says, go ahead and lean down and touch your toes. I haven't touched my toes since I was 11 years old. He comes up to me. He's pushing on my back. He's like, you are not flexible. I was never going to show up again. Until as I'm walking out the door, the instructor says to me, hey, I'm glad you came. Come back.
1: months there though I could touch my toes it actually happened
0: I let the front down and somebody accepted me because the truth was good enough reminds me of in the book of Romans chapter 7 it says accept each other just as Christ has accepted you and this is the picture of what the church is supposed to look like the truth is good enough it's a serious problem for us these days you ever heard of imposter truth is good enough it's a serious problem for us these days. You ever heard of imposter syndrome? I was reading in the International, the International Journal of Behavior Science that 70% of people deal with imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is this feeling of deep anxiety that the person who you believe people perceive you to be isn't real. People deal with imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is this feeling of deep anxiety that the person who you believe people perceive you to be isn't real we have to do that for people to like us it's not real it's not true and it is exhausting I felt free at home because the truth was good enough I also want to tell you I feel free at hope I felt free at home because the truth was good enough I also want to tell you I feel free at hope here in this building, at Hope Ames, whenever I walk into Hope, because we are a pastor's kids out there who will not step foot in the church they grew up in. Because there was a spotlight, because there were expectations, because they thought that they had to be perfect. Thank you. Whether you're a person who was around when I was growing up, whether you're a person who I'm working alongside now and serving now as a pastor, thank you for being a place where I am not expected to be perfect, but a place where I am welcome, and the place where the truth is good enough. It's attractive. This draws people. This is why people come. This is why they show up. This is why I'm here. There's a long time where I'd tell people, there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. Absolutely not. I thought that's what I had to say. Then I was in seminary, I'd be like, no, I don't think I'll ever work at Hope. My dad and I would always say that to each other. Yeah, no, I don't think it'll ever happen. And then your love just drew me. There's this group in Ames and they're gathering together and, and their love just drew me. Your love drew me, Hope Ames. Ames? So here I am, because this is home—a place where the truth is good enough, and I, and I feel free. Go. Um, we had this series on social media called "Pieces of Hope," and uh, it's where different staff members, volunteers, members of the congregation wrote their stories and experiences—experiences experiences of this church—and and I wrote one. And I'd like to share it with you because I think that it's appropriate and it tells you a little bit about my journey in a place where the truth is. I wrote this. I was in Boston when a man asked me, where are you from? Iowa, I replied. His eyes lit up. Do you know about Lutheran Church of Hope? (laughs) And I know from conversations with many of you that this happens all the time. You're like, I heard somebody one time say, I was in Hawaii and somebody at the resort they were staying at was watching the online service from the same from, from Hope that same morning. It's everywhere. Somebody at Hope Ames was talking to me this week. They showed a a picture to me on their phone. They were watching the Today Show. And in the background, there was somebody in a Planet Hope shirt, which was our vacation Bible school from the summer. You're everywhere! It's cool. Do you know about Lutheran Church of Hope? Yeah, I know about hope, I said. In fact, I don't know about life apart from hope. Hope is where I learned to walk, run, and ride a bike. It's where I met my first friends. It's where I attended my first day of school. It's also where I cracked my head open a couple of times. (laughs) Hope is where I went to church to watch my dad preach. It's where my siblings played church and I pretended to preach. It was my playground, study hall, and safe place. It was my favorite place to hang out and the place I would go to cry. Hope is where I told my mom and dad about a good day or a bad day. And it's where they celebrated or carried me through both. It's where I watched my parents grow into the most inspiring and faithful leaders I've ever followed. Hope was the last place I stopped before moving away. It's the place I received countless letters from while I was gone. And the place I took a job when I came back. Hope is where I learned that family isn't determined by common blood, ideas, or positions, but a common love. It's where I fell in love with Jesus. It's where I feel how much he loves me. Hope is more than my church. And hope is more than where I work. And hope is more than where I work. Hope is where God raised me. Hope is where God reminds me of who I am and whose I am. Hope is home. Boston, who asked where I'm from? I'm from hope. A place where the... So to the man in Boston who asked where I'm from? I'm from hope. A place where the truth is good enough. You are front down. You don't have to be an imposter... I think this is the best news you'll hear all day. You ready? God has pulled back the curtain. God does know about you. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself. And God likes you better than you like yourself. And God loves you more than you'll ever dare to dream. God knows you better than you know yourself. God likes you more than you like yourself. God loves you more than you'll ever dare to dream. Because with God, the truth is good enough. This is what draws people. This is what is attractive. It's not this idea that I have to be perfect. It's not this illusion that I'm flawless. No, it is being real. It is being authentic. It is continuing to pursue righteous reward over just simple relief sometimes because it's too hard sometimes. You keep shining a light, people keep coming. It's in the DNA of this church. It's what you've always done, and I thank you for that. It's what you've always done here in this space. It's what happens in all these other campuses that we plant and that show up in the local sites. It's what's happening at Hope Ames. I'm so excited. It's what's drawing people in. A lot of times people have lots of anxieties and concerns. How are people going to be drawn into the church in the future? People aren't showing up anymore. In fact, maybe you're a little bit sheltered from that because you are part of Hope, and you don't see that here. You see intergenerational worship, and it's amazing, and people keep on coming, and they keep on showing up. But the truth is is that there are a lot of young people out there today when they move away from home, they don't keep going to church. Instead, they they go away. And sometimes we don't see them again. The reason for why they don't come to church after they move away for the first time might surprise you. You ready? It's it's mind-blowing. The answer, the most common answer, why don't you go to church anymore after you moved away from home? I moved. That's it. I moved. I moved. I moved and I had enough on my plate, I was trying to figure out my life, I had enough things that I was trying to juggle that finding a place to go to worship was hard. Well, this is a church where we open our doors, we don't say you have to go through the journey to find us, we're showing up where you are. This is not just a place where we say all people are welcome, this is a place that we believe God has created with you specifically in mind. It's one thing to say, yeah, everybody's welcome here. But it is another thing to say, God has created this place with you. Yes, you. And you think that, if you think that you're not the person I'm talking about right now, you are the person I'm talking about. God created this space with you in mind. Your true self doesn't mean that God's not going to lead you into a new place. It doesn't mean that God's not going to convict you. It doesn't mean that God's not going to reveal some of the harsh truths and realities about yourself. But your true self, who you are right now today, God created this space with you in mind. And as a church, we follow that. We are not going to pretend to be perfect. We are going to be authentic because there is an attractive appeal to authenticity. When I was in seminary, I was home for a few days and I asked my dad, "How did hope grow? How did this happen?" I wanted to be a pastor. When I was in seminary, I was home for a few days and I asked my dad, "How did hope grow? How did this happen?" I wanted to be a pastor, right? And so I was like, "How do you lead a church?" Isn't that amazing? Because it's not about us. It's not about us trying to be perfect. It's about a God who is perfect. and shines light through it, through us. And it draws people in. You know, it's funny, we put up the imposter syndrome because we believe that's what's going to keep people to us. Light through it, through us. And it draws people in. You know, it's funny, we put up the imposter syndrome because we believe that's what's going to keep people to us,
1: keep people in our lives. It's actually repulsive.
0: But it's actually the thing that repels people from us. Because it's not real. It's not the truth. The truth is good enough. So that's the way that we lead this church. That's the way that we lead this church when we think about our college students. Who are just flocking to our different Kairos ministries. At Ames. In Iowa City. And in Des Moines. If you know a college student who is in Ames. Or Iowa City. Or Des Moines. Please tell them about this. Because they are welcome in a place. Where the truth is good enough. We're going to kick it off really soon here in Ames. August 25th. I cannot wait for it. This is a place where the truth is good enough. It is a space where it was created with that specific person in mind. Invite them. Bring them in. And contrary to everybody's belief that the church is dying and that young people don't want to be a part of it anymore, they're flocking. Contrary to everybody's belief that the church is dying and that young people don't want to be a part of it anymore, they're flocking. They're showing up in masses. It blows our minds. It's amazing. Let your light shine your authentic light and see how people gather Jesus tells us you heard it in the reading from this morning you are the light of the world no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket it's logical thinking right you don't want the light to go to waste but how many people in this room actually believe they're a light if you can hear my voice right now do you believe you're a light do you believe that God is shining through you sometimes yeah praise God yes yes God is good, and God chooses to shine through you. You can't stop that. You cannot dim that light. It's amazing. Now, Jesus is speaking reasonable and logical there, but what he said before then does not seem very reasonable. In fact, what he says seems entirely unreasonable. Jesus says, God blesses those who are poor, those who mourn, those who are humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice. When people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, be happy about it. Those who are humble. Those who hunger and thirst for justice. When people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, be happy about it. With something specifically, you belong on this list and I belong on it too. And that's okay. Because we are not perfect people. On this list, you belong on this list and I belong on it too. And that's okay. Because we are not perfect people. We are not flawless. We have complicated And he's going to bring the people through you. You're the the people that keep the flavor in the world. There's no flavor in flawlessness. It's boring. But there's flavor. In this life, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, just after this, you heard in the Bible reading for today, "You are the salt of the earth." Back in those days, salt was used for currency, salt was used for fertilizer, and salt journey of life. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, just after this. you heard in the Bible reading for today, "You are the salt of the earth." Back in those days, salt was used for currency, salt was used for fertilizer, and salt viewedted. That's how we see all these people come together. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Don't ever let anybody tell you that God's light in you could ever be dimmed, ever be extinguished. The Bible tells us that God's light shines into the darkness and it will never, ever be extinguished. And so it is with you. So it is with you. I want you to meet a woman in our church. Her name is Alicia. Alicia uh, is an awesome person. I spoke with her this last week. Um, she is retired from the military. She is a mother. she's also a grad student, but something that you wouldn't know just by looking at the surface of her is knowing that she is battling through stage four cancer. When she was diagnosed with cancer, she was told that it was terminal. She was also told that she would never live without cancer. To this day, she still has it. She told me and praise God still has it. She told me and praised God for this, she is at a place where she is stable, but she only got to a place where she is stable after receiving a liver transplant. When she got the liver transplant, that if they had known how bad it was before the surgery, they wouldn't have even performed the surgery. But God works in crazy ways, does he not? Don't ever give up on miracles. Don't ever give up on miracles. I asked Alicia, how in the world do you keep on persevering through this? And she said, you know, I thought that I had faith before this, but now I know that there is truth in my faith. It's full of lots of complicated things. I know that I've been faced with the brink of death, but there is something, there is one thing... I know that my journey is full of lots of complicated things. I know that I've been faced with the brink of death. But there is something, there is one thing that could never be sold. That Nobody can take that from me. Don't you tell me my light is dimming. I'm still here, she says. It's the most inspiring thing I heard all week. She said, I'm still here. So I know I'm here for a reason. You are still here. God's light is still shining through you. You are not done yet. You have not dimmed. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness can never. You are still here. God's light is still shining through you. You are not done yet. You have not dimmed. The light shines into the darkness and the darkness can never. She didn't share it. She kept her cancer a secret. If she said my life is just perfect. Well, she wouldn't have met her friend Denise. Denise. Now, Denise and Alicia have something in common that most people don't have in common because there's only two people in the state of Iowa that have ever had it. That's how rare their form of cancer is. Alicia's cancer is so rare that only one other person in the state of Iowa has ever had it and it's Denise and they were living at the same time. Now, you don't know Denise, but you saw her dream come true the other night. Denise owned the land where the Field of Dreams game took place. She bought the land in 2012. When they, were, when they decided that the land was no longer profitable, so they were just going to remove the base of the land where the Field of Dreams game took place. She bought the land in 2012, when they, were, when they decided that the land was no longer profitable, so they were just going to remove the base. And a couple years after that, she also has a liver transplant. Within a couple of years of that, her investors said, this is taking too long, and they started to leave her. And it seemed like the dream was dead. Like the light had gone out. Alicia asked Denise, what's keeping you going? She said, it's my faith, because I believe in truth. I don't believe anybody can take away what God has has told me, what God has promised me. And two months before Denise died in 2018, she posted this on her Facebook page. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. That that psalm in uh, chapter 103, it says on the next verse, let all I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Oh, it is so easy to talk about how great our lives are when they seem flawless, when they seem perfect. And we post about it. The healthy, growing perfect. And we post about it. The healthy, growing families, the promotions, the vacations. But we find out who we really are. We find out the authentic self, the authentic version of ourselves. And that turns out when we are honest, when we are true before our creator, we say, I need you. If I produce my own light, it will only shine so far, but God, you are the eternal God, and your light shines through the distance of eternity. There is not a soul that God's light will not reach. God is choosing to shine it through you. Shine your light, church. What if Denise and Alicia never told their stories? They wouldn't be friends. What if the people with the field of dreams who held on to the dream, what if they had just given up? What if the journey was too hard? We wouldn't have seen the dream come true. Denise died before the dream could happen, but she saw the harvest. The harvest came anyway. Yes, I'm sure that she planted so many seeds in tears. But those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy, the psalm tells us in chapter 126. And that's what we saw. Denise and Alicia aren't honest about their stories. They don't connect and become friends. Denise doesn't passionately pursue through the difficult journey. We never see the dream come true on Thursday night. If this church pretends to be perfect, there's nothing attractive about that. Instead, let's summarize what we've learned about today with talking about the attractive appeal of authenticity. Here's why it draws people in number one, the truth sets us free. People want to be free. We learned about today with talking about the attractive appeal of authenticity. Here's why it draws people in. Number one, the truth sets us free. People want to be free. individual person in mind, you are all welcome. Promises are kept and dreams come true. In places where authenticity reigns over this illusion of perfection. My dad used to always tell me, perfection where authenticity reigns over this illusion of perfection. My dad used to always tell me, perfection's overrated. Perfection is, instead be authentic, be real. You're going to see a harvest. It was a little over a year ago, toward the beginning of the pandemic, that we were filming uh, services uh, for the entire congregation, because all of you were online. Now I was sitting right up there in the corner and I, and I took this picture and it's just so weird. My entire life growing up at Hope, I've, I, I've been sitting in the entire congregation because all of you were online. now I was sitting right up there in the corner and I, and I took this picture and it's just so weird. My entire life growing up at Hope, I've, I, I've been sitting in full room space before. Whether that's been across the hall or whether that's been across the hall. Whether that's been down the street. Whether that's at our different campuses. You should see what's happening in names. You should see, we've had to go through multiple different building projects already just to fit the people. Praise God. And yet, the pandemic hit and suddenly I'm sitting in empty rooms and it feels weird. And I've heard your stories and I know that you think that it felt weird too. And yet, it brought me back. It brought me back to uh, about 22 years ago. When I was 7 years old and I stood about right here. In a cornfield. It was cold. Oh, it was so cold. In a cornfield. It was cold. Oh, it was so cold. Dad's like, stand right there, Danny. Hold this caution tape. And he's like, I think I'm like crying. It's so cold. I had no clue. They weep as they go out to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. We've been scattered, haven't we? We've been scattered. We've been isolated. Maybe into places that feel dark, where it doesn't seem like the light is shining. Get that basket off from your head, because I'm seeing what's happening. It's happening in Ames. It's happening here. You are scattered, but you're not coming back empty-handed. Are you? You are coming back with a harvest of joy. not easy the journey ahead won't be easy i'm not pretending like this pandemic is over it's not because we don't lie here we tell the truth and the truth is good enough it's difficult but as sometimes we times we plant our seeds with tears in our eyes we hold on to the hope knowing that there's a harvest of joy coming because we worship the god who's a god of promises and a god of dreams and they always come true the truth is good enough. Get real with God. Be authentic. See how it brings in the most surprising people in your life. And enjoy the harvest that God has prepared. Let's stand and sing. Amen.